College can be stressful enough on its own. Going to classes, doing homework, studying for your exams. Now imagine doing all of that while touring with a band. So my final semester at Asbury was, I would go to classes Monday to Thursday, drive up Thursday night, jump on a tour bus, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, get off a tour bus Monday morning, drive back to Asbury and do classes all over again for a whole semester. Welcome to Belonging and Becoming, a podcast by Asbury University. On today's episode, we'll hear from Asbury graduate Marcus Rickson from the class of 2014. Marcus is the owner of Rickson Entertainment Group, an artist management and marketing company based in Nashville, Tennessee. We'll hear how Marcus came to be a student at Asbury and eventually enter the world of professional music. That's coming up on Belonging and Becoming, hosted by Asbury University President, Dr. Kevin Brown. Today, I have the privilege of sitting across from Marcus Rickson. Marcus is an Asbury grad, 2014. And Marcus, normally we do this podcast and we start with someone's story. How did, how did they get to Asbury? And then what are they doing now in the professional field and trying to map the pathway of those different things? But I was hoping we could maybe look at that backwards and start with what are you doing now? Tell us about some of the exciting things that you're doing and uh, just give us a sketch of your life as it is during this time. Well, thank you so much for having me on the podcast. Truly an honor and pleasure. Uh, Marcus Rickson, class of 2014, illuminated class. Presently live in Nashville, Tennessee with my wife, Abby, and my two and a half year old son, Elliot. I am the owner of Rickson Entertainment Group. It is a artist management company and an entertainment company that caters to musicians and other artists that are trying to get into the entertainment space and overlook every aspect of the career from from the new music that they're putting out to the recording deals, to working with record labels, to getting marketing plans and social media plans out there, as well as working on getting them a book deal or a film and TV project. So we do that as well as work with platinum selling producers and songwriters across the Christian, country, pop, Americana uh, genres of music. Yes, and for our listeners, some artists that you work with that would, would be well known. Yes, yeah, so uh, again, super privileged to work with really talented artists and uh, someone that's on my roster right now is Sela multi-platinum selling artist who has a total of 10 dub awards which is like 10 grammys michael Farron, who's written some of lauren daigle's biggest hits and reba mcintyre i've worked with mark schultz sandy patty phillips craig and dean jackie velasquez a lot of people within that field but also in the country space i used to work for martina mcbride and uh used to help work at her studio blackbird recording studios in nashville and I've actually had the privilege of being in recording rooms with Dolly Parton, the Doobie Brothers, Kesha, Don Waz, Tim McGraw, a bunch of other country acts. Was there a particular artist you just felt drawn to, you just really enjoyed being around? Hands down, Miss Dolly Parton. <laughs> she is a star. Whatever mm. you see of her on television or media, she's exactly the same person when you meet her. She like walks into the room and she comes up to everybody in the room and like and says, "Hi, I'm Dolly." Like you didn't know that was her. <laughs> uh, so she she's all business when she's in the studio, but she's the sweetest thing, and she actually takes the time to to learn your name or to know who you are when mm. when you're in her presence. So complete honor to work with her. Yeah, I, I I've heard that before about her. 
In your, your job right now, for someone that's not familiar with entertainment management, why is that necessary for these artists and not just recording, but also the book deals and just overall management of what they're involved in? Uh, what value do you bring and uh, do other entertainment managers bring to the industry? When an artist starts off its career, they're usually within the field of creating art, but not necessarily knowing how to market themselves, how to create a brand that's global and connect with different brands and sponsorships and uh, endorsements around the country. And uh, a manager comes alongside and sees the, sees the talent and the potential that each artist brings the job of the manager honestly is to highlight those things and yes. elevate them i find an artist that has a little fire and my job is to go pour gasoline on mm, them mm. or take that fire and transport it from one place to another i'm the guy that comes and adds those different elements to elevate what they're doing because it comes a point when they're they're big enough all that they can really concentrate on is the music and the creating process, but the business gets bigger than them and they need someone like me who they trust that can make the calls for them and know that we have the best intentions for them. So it is a very important role in the entertainment space. Yeah, it's a brilliant metaphor. And I remember meeting a dean who he had come from the business world and he was starting at a school and he told me his first hire was going to be a publicist. And we don't tend to think that way in higher education. And I said, tell me more about that. And he said, our faculty are doing the work. They're, they're writing books, they're publishing articles, they're speaking at events. I want someone to come beside them and the way you put it, pour some gasoline on the, the fires they're lighting to, to help others be more aware and to draw attention to the school. And so I love that and I love that mentality. Well, Marcus, you're obviously very successful and, um, and I, I could talk about this forever, uh, so fascinating. Um, but for those who haven't heard it, you have a really incredible life story. And without some very significant events in your life, you might, as you've put it, not have even finished high school, let alone Asbury. So could, could you share with us how God has provided for you your early years growing up in India and how, how that got you to this very successful place where you are today? So I grew up in Calcutta, India. Grew up in a real poor family. Uh, my parents were amazing parents and they provided everything they could, but we were poor. Our home was 12 feet by six feet wide. And I remember growing up and my mom and dad slept on the floor and me and my sister shared a bed till I graduated out of high school because mm. that's how small our home was. While growing up, my parents wanted the betterment for me and my sister, but just didn't have the resources mm -hmm. to, to help pay for a proper education. So they approached a school that had a mission team that helped pay for students that came from underprivileged, underprivileged homes. And uh, there's an organization called Mission of Mercy, now known as One Child. They rebranded a couple of years ago. They uh, stepped in and decided, hey, we can find a sponsor to help pay for your son's lunch every day, his fees to go to school, the uniform, the books that he needs and and any small healthcare kind of mm. uh, needs that he has. And so that was a huge blessing for my parents, knowing that me and my sister were gonna get a good quality education. Mm -hmm. And so we landed up going to a school where I had a sponsor for 14 years that every month send in 
you know, $39 a month so that I could go to school and get a meal every day and get health care. And, and that was so foundational. And I appreciated every single moment that I got to spend in school knowing that, hey, I'm going to go to school and I'm going to have a meal today. And that was taken care of. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was hard, but also it was probably the biggest blessing that I had at home. Mom would play the radio in the evening. And I just fell in love with music. Mm. Every time I hear a song by Eric Clapton or Elton <laughs> John or, uh, you know, whatever the radio played, it, I, it just took me to a different world. And I was just so fascinated by that, that I started learning more and more what music is. And until the eighth grade, and I remember this really clearly, I was talking to my uh, music teacher about all these aspirations. I was like, I want to know. How do I become a part of the music? Do I need to be an artist? Do I need to mm. be uh, a, a technician? What What are different aspects? And he told me about audio production, which is recording um, music in studios and in different spaces, similarly what we're doing right here in the podcast room. And I was like, oh, that's what I want to do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So since the eighth grade, I knew that I wanted to learn more about sound and audio uh, but growing up in Calcutta, there were not a lot of places around us that had that kind of uh, facility. So uh, here I graduated out of school. I was out of school for two years, just helping my parents and doing any kind of work that I could. An alum from Asbury had come to volunteer at Mother Teresa's ha- uh, missions across the street. And uh, while he did that, he ran into my family and at this point in time, uh, I was a teenager and my parents were running a small little street program helping other kids. So I grew up with another 40 kids that came every single day <laughs> and uh, my parents just helped provide for them. The alum decided he wanted to sell his home and house and move to Calcutta. So he and my dad came back to the States and was helping get the process going on on him to move to India. And they were driving through Asbury and they ran into then president, Dr. Gray, mm-hmm. and the dean of media communications, Dr. Owens. Mm-hmm. We were just breaking ground on the new Miller building. And they told my dad and the Salam all about the new Miller building and the audio production. And my dad was like, that's what Marcus wants to do. Mm-hmm. So he calls my mom back in Calcutta and then Next thing you know, I had my transcripts over. I was accepted to Asbury. There was a huge excitement, but also uncertainty because financially we just couldn't afford to just move here. So I worked with an amazing, amazing admissions counselor, Brad, who who did everything to kind of help me figure out the the, the finances to where Asbury helped me get a good scholarship. And then I worked on campus as the carpenter and HV technician throughout the summers. And then in the evenings, I would raise funds for the university with the student phoning program. Mm-hmm. So I landed up getting a plane ticket and a visa seven days before classes started. And I got on my first plane from Calcutta and showed up to Wilmore, Kentucky. So that's amazing. I'm curious, the, the contrast between the spiritual environment you grew up in in India and what you discovered uh, here and central Kentucky and specifically at Asbury. Uh, was it, yes, this feels very natural and, and the same, or, or was there a different expression of our shared faith uh, as people all across the world uh, here relative to India? That's interesting that you asked me that question. I, I did feel 
a little different than my peers because I had a different worldview on things. Mm -hmm. I grew up in a country with uh, the majority of people were in the Hindu religion and then the Muslim religion. The Christians were minorities. India has 1.5 billion people or so and less than 2% were Christian. So I did come from a place where, you know, our family saw persecution just because of our religion. Uh, and I've gone through it with my my parents and them trying to help people. So then coming to Wilmore was a little culture shock when I could drive down the street and see all the different denominations and all the yes. different uh, churches around here. It, it did take a step back. It was overwhelming for me a little bit because I was like, wow, there's a lot going on. Yes. And where I came from a place where when I asked somebody, hey, what are you? What religion? It's either Hindu, Muslim or Christian out here. Uh, when I started having those conversations, like, what denomination are you? So that took me a little like, wait a second. It <laughs> took me like, I'm like, I'm a Christian. That's how I feel about what I grew up learning. So it, it never was a denominational thing for me. So that was a little shock to me. But then eventually I, with the classes and people around me, I started understanding the difference between all the different religions. But I, I, I like uh, what Dietrich Bonhoeffer said. He's like, there are churches down the street, like gas stations right here in America. And that's how, I, that's how I felt. And so for me, I'm more about, hey, let's get together as a community and let's, it doesn't matter where you come from, what your background is, you're accepted. Let's build this thing together. I, I'd be curious. So you get to Asbury and you begin to take classes, presumably in media communications. Uh, what was that experience like? And then what, what was that like kind of catapulting you into... Uh, the next chapter of your life where you, you started in the field, in the industry. So uh, I majored in media communication with an emphasis in audio production. And uh, the professor I worked really closely in the audio production program is uh, Mr. Barry Blair. Yes. Uh, who actually used to be an artist back in the day with Audio Adrenaline, who's mm -hmm. still around. And he, he was able to give me a lot of insight into what it is to be an artist and what kind of needs an artist needs. So while taking classes here at, at the university, uh, I was on, on staff at the radio station. I did all the r radio station events and hosted different remote events for the university. I helped with the theater program. I ran sound for a lot of different theaters. And I even remember we uh, one year I ran sound for a show that uh, was nominated for the Kennedy Center Award. Mm. And, uh, and the sound that I created for that show was also nominated for the Kennedy Center Sound Award, which was kind of cool. Had the privilege to go to Sochi uh, Olympics, the yes. Winter Olympics, and uh, through the Asbury program that we have where students get recruited into the Olympic program. And uh, I helped run sound for figure skating and speed skating. So I worked alongside with the Olympic crew and, uh, the Asbury crew, an amazing Canadian crew, and then the Russian crew on the ground. That experience was just amazing. One of the requirements as a media student, and a lot of different uh, uh, emphasis do that, you need an internship within your field. And so uh, what, after talking to all my professors, uh, I was like, you know, guys, I really would love an internship in Nashville. That's where I want to, where I want to go. And so they helped me put a resume together and I was uh, looking up and researching all the different studios and record labels. 
And then I found a studio named Blackbird Recording Studio, which I mentioned was owned by Martina McBride. Uh, and I, I didn't even have a car at that point in time on campus. So I had a couple of my Asbury friends drive me all the way to Nashville <laughs> and drop me off at the studio to, to, in, to, to do my interview. And I got it. While I was in Nashville, ran into a lot of different bands that just needed somebody to come and help set up. And, and the way I say is like, I would just go out and tour for $5 and a chicken dinner. <laughs> and, and so I, I did what it took to just go out there and make the best of my opportunity. Yes. And this was all before I graduated college. Mm. Moved back to Asbury for my final semester and I landed up a job on a tour with Unspoken. They're a Christian band. And they called me and was like, hey, I know you're going to school for sound and you've done all this amazing things, but we have a song on the radio, we have a record label and a management that has set, helped set up our team. And the only person we're missing is a lighting guy. So I was like, okay, uh, sure. So uh, I landed up driving to Nashville and uh, they gave me a crash course in running lights in three hours. And I did a whole Christmas tour. So my final semester at Asbury was, I would go to classes Monday through Thursday, drive up Thursday night, jump on a tour bus Friday, Saturday, Sunday, get off a tour bus Monday morning, drive back to Asbury and do classes all over again for a whole semester. And that was all before I graduated. <laughs> so once I was done, um, my wife now, uh, we didn't get married for about six months after graduation. So I would, I would commute from Wilmore to Nashville doing these all the time. So at that point in time, Unspoken's management was like, man, you, we would love to help you plug into other places. So I, they were like, is sound the only thing you want to do? I was like, I'll do whatever you mm -hmm. need me to do. Mm -hmm. So I landed up being, as I said, a merch guy, a bus driver, a lighting guy, a case <laughs> pusher, a coffee guy. I did it all, but I built all these relationships. Yes. And during that time, Mark Schultz, who is a platinum selling artist, he was like, man, you need to come back into the office. You need to be in the office kind of helping me figure out the next aspects of my career. And so Mark introduced me to his management team and that's where I landed up managing Mark, Jackie Velasquez, Sandy Patty, Phillips Craig and Dean. And I would do that Monday to Thursday and then I would tour Friday, Saturday, Sunday and do wow. it all over again until I hit a point where I was just going out so much that I had to decide, okay, I need to pick one lane of a yes. tour manager or a manager. Yes. There's two different things. And so that's when what gave birth to Rickson Entertainment Group because all the artists were like, we really need you. That's how it started. Uh, that's incredible. For students that you might speak to today, obviously there's a ton of advice, but like if you had to distill one or two like points of uh, here's what you would tell your 18, 19, 20 year old version of yourself, what would you say to some of those students? One of the things I think my father passed down to me and my mother was the, to be content in what we have and to do the best that we can at that point in time. So when I came from India, I didn't have much, but I did the best to be involved on campus. I did the best to, to make community with professors and, mm -hmm. and other students. And then every time I did that, it just took me to the next level. Then a lighting guy, I became the best lighting guy that there was, that eventually gave me the opportunity to be the best sound guy there was, and eventually the best manager. So being content with what you have, but and also pushing yourself 
to giving 100%. There's no job too big or too small that I haven't done. And that's been the number one reason that people are willing to give you an opportunity and a shot at things. Uh, I do have a lot of interns that come to Rickson Entertainment and we we help kind of guide them in their young careers. And one of the things I tell them is when you walk into a room to meet somebody or to learn something about what they do, walk in with the attitude of what can I give today yes. instead of what can I take out of this meeting. Mm-hmm. So if you walk into every relationship that you make, what can I bring to the table with this person instead of, hey, what can I get from you right it flips the game yes because people start remembering you oh goodness that one guy went above and beyond and did that for me and i didn't even ask him to so anytime there's an opportunity after that they're just going to remember you because you're imprinted on the memory of wow that person really stuck out that's wonderful we we talk a lot about jesus and his sermon on the mount uh talking about being salt and light you're the light of the world what does that look like in an industry like yours to be salt and to be light? My internship at Blackbird Recording Studios when I worked in the country space and then my time at the Sochi Olympics really helped me understand that my role and position in the world is being a good person and loving people like Jesus has called us to love on people. And when you do that, people notice And that was one of my best experience because at that point in time, I remember in Sochi, I was just doing what I normally do, just being myself, but also helping. And they're like, man, something different about you. Hmm. Where are you from? And they would tell I'm from Asbury. And they're like, oh, but like, are you a Christian? Like, what? And that kind of stuck with me. Yeah. And I've taken that everywhere I go. So even Rickson Entertainment, we don't consider ourselves a Christian management company, even though we have all A-level Christian artists. Sure. But I serve country, I serve mainstream pop because I want to be the light in the darkness because they need Jesus as well. Yes. And I want to love on them. So we do work with good people. That's Mm -hmm. the first good people. And then being an example to them so I can be a light in the darkness uh, and provide opportunities because that's the only way. Unless we put ourselves out there, it's not going to happen. Yes. Last question. I've really enjoyed this. Uh, what are your plans for the future? What are some of your goals or ambitions or things that you would you can wave the magic wand you'd like to accomplish? So as of last November, my company's been around for two years, even during the pandemic, which was it hit hard for our entertainment space and any art creation uh, space. You know, it was a hard. It was hard, but. Um, The mentality we brought to the table is like, how can we be forerunners in anything that we do? How we can be the people figuring out the next thing? So pouring back into creation of music, writing of songs, writing of books, anything of that sort. And November of last year, the Rickson Entertainment Group team, we won five Dove Awards within Mm. a small little team that we have. And the Doves are like Grammys. And that is just mind-blowing that this kid from Calcutta (laughs) sitting in Nashville, you know, influencing the music industry. So I'm living, back to your question, I'm living my dream above and beyond. And there's this little box that people have of like, this is what my dream is. I am beyond my box at at this point in time. And 
that is just an amazing space to be in for me. There is nothing too small or too big that I don't want to go after. So all I'm saying is I'm going to be around for a little bit and pouring into people and just giving people opportunities and helping dreams come uh, true. Well said. I'm, I'm terribly curious. One other question. I'm sorry. Yeah. You, you mentioned the pandemic and how that's affected the industry. Do you see that loosening or lightening a little bit? Something like returning to a, a more normal uh, circumstance? Yes. With the pandemic, a lot of everything that we do was a complete shutdown. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, a lot of people, it hurt financially and, you know, a lot of stress with families. But the start of 2021 has actually been super, I'm super positive. We have events that are now starting to pick back up. We have a complete fall and Christmas tours lined up that people have now come in and bought these dates to bring in acts. I was in New Mexico two weeks ago with 400 people worshiping at, a, at an event. Mm -hmm. uh, last week in Nashville, we, we're down to 50%, but uh, we were in a room with 800 people all wearing masks and socially distanced, and, but there were temperature checks uh, at the front door and people you know, making sure you wear your mask. And so to me, it's coming back, and I see this turn happening in the summer. Because yes. a lot of outdoor events, a lot of outside things are still happening and are being held. And in my place, I get to deal with a lot of local government, you know, local mayors and councilors knowing like, hey, what is the rules and regulations? So it's loosening up in across the country. And so I'm, I am positive that we're going to come back stronger and better. And it's going to happen this fall. I, I use the expression return to normal. Are there some dimensions, though, of what you do or the industry in general that will never be the same? And maybe they're, they're going in new directions because of the pandemic. So during this whole time, one thing we realized is virtual events. We landed up having a ton of virtual events, mm -hmm. be it concerts, mm -hmm. speaking engagements and things like that, which were fun to do. Uh, in the starting. And it was like this fresh and new idea, but it's so saturated at this point in time in in a space where all of us are used to devices. And when we're sitting in front of a device, we kind of zone off real quick. So what I've noticed is actually virtual events are not working a lot for us. And the only thing that's going to fix that is going back to live yeah. uh, events. So where I would, I, I'm guessing the answer would be like, oh yeah, we figured out to do virtual concerts and it's been going amazing or events. It It, it is a disconnect from people because we as humans, like what you and I are doing, you know, socially distance here, uh, this is a connection we're building. Yes. And that is so much valuable than just sitting in front of a device. So I guess is we tried a few things and I, I haven't seen it work yet. Um, and then when it comes to recording studios, a lot of people now are able to record from home. So that's been an advantage to, to younger artists who are trying to, they, they have the option of doing something at a lower cost versus super expensive where you have to pay these big uh, big money to, to get a space to even make it happen. Mm -hmm. So I see where the bigger studios are going to struggle com competing with these talented new kids coming out where they have the gear that they can bring with them yeah. and be very, I say, very flexible and easy to pivot whenever they need. So. Well said, well said. 
Marcus, thank you for being salt and light. Thank you for your story, which is amazing. It's so exciting to see how that has inspired other people and inspired them to action. And thank you for joining uh, me today. God bless you. Thank you, Dr. Brown. A special thanks to 2014 Asbury graduate Marcus Rickson for today's interview. If you have questions or comments about the podcast, we encourage you to email us at belong at asbury.edu. Belonging and Becoming is a production of Asbury University. Thank you.